Welcome to the Making Kids Count podcast brought to you by Kentucky Youth Advocates, where we sit down with policymakers, community leaders, and youth to discuss ideas to make Kentucky the best place to be young. Now here's your host, Terry Brooks. This is Terry Brooks, and you're listening to the Making Kids Count podcast. Today, I'm joined by Kentucky Senator Reginald Thomas. Senator Thomas has been the state senator of the 13th District, which is part of Fayette County, since 2014. Currently, he is a member of several key child-focused committees, including the Senate Education Committee and the Child Welfare Oversight and Advisory Committee. From our perspective at KYA, uh, when we think about Senator Thomas, we think about a leader who is persistently focused on kids and who brings a style where he can bring together folks who agree and disagree with each other and with him. And he consistently introduces a tone of civility and constructive dialogue. Senator Thomas, both of those attributes are all too rare. We appreciate it. And here we sit The fourth quarter has started in the 2020 session. You're taking time to talk to us today, and we greatly appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast. Well, well, I tell you, with that kind of introduction, I probably should stop now. Okay, well, thank you for joining us today. I can can only go downhill from there. Those those are extremely kind words, and and, and I appreciate them so much. Uh, Look, you're right. I I do love kids. Uh, I always have, even when I was a child I knew I wanted to grow up get married and have children I've, God blessed me with, with three wonderful children uh, as I've gotten older now I have three wonderful grandchildren uh, and I've got a son who's getting married this year so I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm going to have more on the way <laughs> so, so I, I do love kids well we, we appreciate you joining us today before we get into the Frankfurt scene uh, I always try to take our listeners sort of behind the scenes and find out a little bit more, not about Senator Thomas, but about Reggie Thomas, the the man. So two questions. The first is uh, somebody like you who is such a leader, I would guess, uh, had been impacted and influenced uh, around leadership. People who have touched your brain, your heart, your soul. Can you talk a little bit about what are the forces that made you the leader you are today? Oh, oh easily, my parents. Uh, again, I, I talked about being blessed with, with three wonderful children, but I was blessed with wonderful parents. Uh, my dad was a school teacher mm. uh, and uh, you know was very involved in educating uh, young people. He taught high school in Chicago, uh, later became a counselor. Uh, was he and, Cubs or White Sox? Oh, Cubs. We, okay. we, 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 we are Cubs. Okay, Chicago okay. Cubs well, that's family. important and to my, know. That's... I, I, I never thought I would live to see 2016, <laughs> but I did. And so, and so, and so I'm very thankful to see 2016 and the Cubs finally be Okay, okay. Well, I didn't want to distract, but no, I had to ask no, that question. No. Um, uh, but, but I had wonderful parents who really instilled, uh, I think excellent values in me and my sister. I have a sister who's almost like a twin. We're only mm-hmm. ten and a half months apart. Uh, the thing I remember most about my parents, well, a couple of things, well, three things. One, they taught us to always to respect people. Um, and you know, we grew up in a society, Terry, that that you know you hear a lot of 
children grow up in a lot of a lot of discriminatory talk, discriminatory talk, you know, very racist talk. Um, my parents taught us very early on that everybody deserves respect and that everybody's the same. Uh, and 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 with with me and my sister, it was nobody's better than us, but at the same time, we're not better than them. Um, and, and and so you know. I never really thought about prejudice and 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 and, and you know, no kind of race, you know, racial biases. I I growing up growing up in high school, I had I was as close to my white friends as I was my black friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we, we so was, you grew up in an integrated environment. I, I did. I grew up in. I mean, I lived I lived in a segregated community in Lexington. I mean, back in the sixties, mm-hmm. Lexington was very segregated. So let's be clear about that. But I went to high school with whites at Bryant Station, and and I was very close. Uh, to to a lot of whites there. I, I played football, and, and, and my white teammates uh, and I were very close. Matter of fact, when we finished my senior season, we had an end of the year celebration, and we had to party at my house. Mm. You know, over in in the one of the black neighbors of Lexington, but all all of my white teammates came over and spent the night at my house. Mm. We had a it was a big celebration. Some Lexington, Lexington probably has never had never seen well, this. Well, yeah, um, that's very so that, that's, that's one thing they taught us to talk. Me and my sister value of hard work, that that you don't get anywhere without making sacrifices and putting in the time and just working hard. Okay, um, uh, and and then and then third thing, they they always taught us, and you, you talk about leadership is speaking up. You know, again that always let your voice be heard, let your opinion be known, tell people exactly how you feel. You know, do not be shy. And Terry, I will tell you, I've never been shy. Uh, <laughs> And you you hear me say that a lot when I talk to people that your voice has to be heard. Everybody should should have their voice heard. Uh, so we talk about leadership. I got that directly from my parents. I have I have wonderful wonderful parents. What was the uh, turnkey moment? You you grew up. You were inspired to be a leader. You could have led in a lot of different ways. You chose public service. You chose to put yourself out there for this office. What what went into your thinking on that? Well, 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 well Terry, let me tell you the, the seminal, not the seminal, but but the critical moment in my life, if I can, and then we'll get more into education. I don't know if this was leadership, but but this really changed the course of my life. In my sophomore year in high school, I went out to play football. I always, I always liked sports. Uh, and Terry, I'm not a good athlete. Okay, okay. You. you know, I, I was slow. At the time, I was 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 not quick. You know, I was the the, the high school kid who was like the dummy. You know, you know, everybody would the blocking up, dummy. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody the... would beat up on me, tackle me. <laughs> they would look good. They would look good when, when when they came in contact with me. And I remember Terry. Back then, you went two a days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, was, you know, they, they didn't have no all these regulations. No water salt right? No, that's right. They didn't have all the regulations they have now. And I'd been out there for two days, and it was Wednesday morning. I'd been out there. And I came home to rest because I had to go back at 3. And it was like, Terry, 1.30 in the afternoon. And my body was sore. I was tired. You know, I, was, you know, I, was, I knew I wasn't going to play and be a star. And I said, Reggie, why are you doing this? I said, why, why, why are you, you know, going through this? I said, this, 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 you know, what you had envisioned and what's going to be reality is not, not going to occur. And so I really thought about not going back. And I knew Terry, if I didn't go back, you know, I would quit. Now I could never go back on the team. The coaches would say, "No, yeah. this is not going to. You know, you're you're done." Okay. 
And I thought about it and I said, you know, I just can't quit. You know, if, if I'm not going to make it, at least I'm, gonna, I'm going to stick through this. Just stick through it all the way. So the, the, the seniors came to pick me up because I couldn't drive the time. I got myself off the couch, got, you know, you know got my uh, whatever, whatever I needed and got back in the car. Went through the afternoon session. And, and Terry, I never looked back from that. And, and so, and so after that, Terry, no matter what, what hardships, no matter what challenges, no matter how tough the road was, you know, I just could never quit. And I've just never been a quitter after that. I've, I've always saw things through. You know, hard times, challenging times, no matter how tough it is. If 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 I didn't make it, you know, I just didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that was really the the, the the most critical moment in my life, and I said I've, I've never looked back from that. I've always take challenges <coughs> head on, and just what, 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 whatever the consequences are, I accept it. That's a great answer. Well, let's let's shift to Frankfurt. Okay. As we record this, we're just beginning what I would consider talking football, the fourth quarter of right. the session. That's right. So we still have a uh, a Senate budget pending. Right. Uh, we have lots of measures ranging from uh, child welfare to education right. to corporal punishment right. uh, that are on the, the docket, mm-hmm. and uh, they're all sort of in play. Uh, as you sit here today, uh, what, what are your best hopes for what I would call kid-oriented bills, kid-oriented budgets? Uh, what do you think in the realm of the feasible uh, we're going to see happen on behalf of kids and families in 2020 in Frankfurt. Well, turn let me begin by saying you you mentioned uh, in your opening how I'm on the Senate Education yes, Committee, sir. and that is my favorite committee. Um, I mean, you know, I, I can I can go and come from some committees, but education I always that's your be core. On. That's yeah. that's my core committee. Uh, and out of this budget, I really want to see a significant investment in education. Let me be honest with you. No, you, you heard during the last administration how we would put more money in, in education than before. And, and, and that statement is technically true. But when you go from, you know, putting in two million or three million more than you did the year before, that, 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 that's, that's not much. I mean, that's in the just scope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's scope, 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 scope of our, what, what we invest $4.6 billion. Yeah. In, in education, I mean, you're just putting in two or three million more dollars. You're not doing much. You're, you're not really valuing education at all. Uh, I really want to see in this in this budget a, an increase, Terry, at least somewhere in in the two to three percent range, which would be about eighty-seven to hundred million dollars. And you're seeing that through seek the per pupil seek, seek funding. That that is a significant investment. That's a for us. That's a significant commitment. Saying yes. We're going to put more dollars in education. We're going to find resources so that children of all levels, those who are come from disadvantaged communities, though those who are at the at the upper end of the scale, you know, can have the resources and the opportunities to succeed. So I think that's first. Okay. Secondly, and the house has done this, and I'm very proud of that. We're going to give teachers more pay. You know. I, Teachers deserve more pay. I have said that of all the professions that exist, and every profession is important. I mean, we, 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 all have, we all have a role to play in society. But I think police officers and teachers and firefighters, those individuals really uh, 
have a critical role in terms of protecting our society, maintaining order, educating our society, getting, getting, you know, giving our children and our, you know, uh, 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 and ourselves a brighter future, you know, a more hopeful uh, place to live, a more enlightened place to live. Uh, and I think we ought to pay our teachers. I mean, we, we in the past, you know, we would kind of ignore them, you know, just kind of take them for granted. And they play a very critical role. Uh, and again, shaping our future, shaping our society. So I'm glad we're going to pay our teachers more money. They deserve more money. So, so those are a couple of things okay. that, that I really like about like about our budget. One of the things that we try to do in these podcasts, rather than covering the waterfront, is to probe some things deeply. So sure. you've just done that with education. The other role that I think uh, you played such a, a vital voice on was the Child Welfare Oversight Committee. Yes. Uh, I thought that was such an interesting group because you hear so much in Frankfurt about toxicity and bifurcation. Boy, there there was no toxicity or bifurcation on that committee. There yeah. was a real common ground focus right. for Kentucky's most vulnerable kids. Right. You know, last week uh, a federal report got a lot of attention where, once again, Kentucky had the highest rate in the nation of child maltreatment. Right. 23,000 kids were abused or neglected in the last 12 months. We had double the national average. Uh, I know along with education, uh, thinking about the most vulnerable of the vulnerable is also a passion of yours. Uh, Thoughts, reflections on where the Senate, the General Assembly in general, I think that uh, Representative Meade and Representative Jenkins, two folks who would say they don't agree on a lot, but they agree on child welfare. Uh, a big movement a couple years ago with HB1, mm-hmm. lots of conversations around frontline workers, kinship supports. What, what do you hope to see out of this session uh, around child welfare? Well, well turn, let, me tell you, let me tell you three things what, what we need to do. Okay, I'm going to tell you. One, Terry, we have got to increase the number of, of child welfare workers. Okay, I mean, those the, frontline the, 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 I mean, people. I, I, think, I think the ratio now <laughs> is like 34 to 1. Uh, Caseloads way, the, way too the, 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 big. The, yeah. nas- the, 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 the national recommendation is 18 to 1. We've got to get there, Terry. Okay, So we, we have got to have more. And that, that's that, everything costs money. So you, when, when I talk about these things, we got to realize that we only have a limited budget. So how do we meet these needs with limited funds? But that's where we've got to go. Number two, Terry, we, we've got to have better trained more knowledgeable caseworkers. Uh, people don't realize that most of our caseworkers are not social workers. They don't, they don't have social work training. They don't have social work, social work education. You know, we've got to move in that area where our caseworkers are really social workers. They're really trained, really educated to do that type of work. Okay? And then thirdly, Terry, and you've heard me talk about this in different meetings, I'm a strong believer in doing some kind of legislation where we mandate for every parent, the, the, the upper income parents, the lower income parents, okay? A hands program. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the hands program. <coughs> and for your listeners who don't understand what that is, that's a program where from zero to two, a child zero to two, uh, skilled social workers, you know, skilled clinical workers come in on a monthly basis and provide education. And, and, and training uh, and, and teaching on what it takes to be what it takes to be a parent, how you 
change diapers, how you feed a child, uh, how you bathe a child. They, 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 they do this for people for a period of two years so that by the time the child is two parents are well, well educated, well trained on what it takes to raise a child. And, and talk about, you know, you know, how do you read to a child at night? Uh, you know, taking a child out for a walk, not overfeeding a child so the child doesn't get overweight. The HANS program is significant, and, and I really want to see that given or provided to every child. Because, and we, we kind of joke about this, children don't come with a how-to-do manual. Yeah. You know, when, when you have a child, you don't say, well, yeah. well here's an instruction right. book. You don't get that. But but it's so important that, that we, we start training our children properly from birth. Uh, and so those are three things I would do. One... We got to reduce the caseloads. Two, make sure that the, the, the caseworkers are, are are well educated. You know, obviously, ideally, social workers. And three, let's implement some kind of hands program for every uh, new parent. Okay. And listeners, just as a reminder, uh, Senator Thomas did not script me, nor did I script him today. But if you want more information on the budget items he's talking about, ironically, in the podcast we dropped last week. You will hear KYA emphasize among the three emphases. Uh, we talked about the need for more caseworkers, better trained caseworkers, and expanded well, see, hands. Not, see, so, not think amen, Senator. <laughs> amen. <laughs> You're right. We, 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 we didn't discuss that prior to I, as I listened to you talk. But, but, like, but, but you and I are on the same page. Great, Terry. great reinforcement, <laughs> Senator. One of the areas that I am trying to figure out where the General Assembly stands is it seems like. Uh, the area of criminal justice and juvenile justice goes ahead and moves back, goes ahead and moves back. I, I kind of detect what I would call legislative fatigue with justice, and yet in my head, criminal justice and juvenile justice seem so seminal to so many things, uh, family stability, economics, education. Uh, is there appetite for criminal justice reform, or is that something we're just going to have to put on the back burner? There is an appetite for that, but, but here's what you're competing against. You know, you're competing with the, the traditional and common notion that all oh, these people did something bad, so now they got to go to jail. You know, we got to lock them up. I mean, that, that that's the attitude that, that tough that, on crime. Yeah, that, that that's the attitude that you're competing against. Look. For the most part, legislators understand that, that we can't afford to put people in jail. We can't afford to lock up everybody who does something wrong. It's, 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 it's killing our budget, um, and, and, and we, we, just can't, we just can't do that to everyone. So we've got to look at some kind of community corrections alternative to, to dealing with people who've made mistakes. And the reality is, Terry, and, and people need to understand this, most people who commit a crime... No, don't harm anyone. I mean, it's, it's not a violent offense. I mean, violent offenses carry maybe 10, 15% of all the crimes that are committed. Most crimes that are committed are not violent offenses. So when you, when you realize that putting people in jail for nonviolent offenses is really going backwards in terms of trying to correct behavior, trying to, trying to uh, find alternatives to say, yes, you did something wrong and you deserve to be sanctioned. You deserve to be punishment, but your punishment isn't putting you behind iron bars. 
And so that's where we've got to really, as a society, change our mindset and say that, look, you know, we're only going to use the incarceration approach for your most serious, your more violent offenses. And for those who don't fall in that category, the majority of people, we're going to find some kind of community corrections alternative. And so that's what legislators find themselves competing against, the, the, the societal notion that lock them up, you know, put them in jail, as opposed to the more practical uh, and, 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 and I would say uh, uh, better approach, which would be to uh, let's, let's correct them in some sort of community fa fashion. And listeners, again, uh, you know that we editorialize on these podcasts. So as a reminder, uh, an issue we have talked about more than once is that uh, Kentucky has the third highest rate in the nation of children whose parents are incarcerated. Uh, one of the solutions to that is exactly what Senator Thomas was talking about, is that we need to think about uh, the best paths to being smart about mistakes rather than just tough on mistakes. I, I, like, I like that word, smart. You, you, you were so smart for saying that. I mean, I think you are absolutely right about that. Yeah. So, Senator, uh, because uh, we try not to have three-hour podcasts, if you and I got going, we could do it. Uh, I, I want to do two things. Uh, I want to ask you, I want to give you a time for a little closing benediction. But I, before that, you mentioned something that is so important to us. That is, how do people make their voices heard? One of my concerns is that there are so many people in Kentucky who care so deeply about kids, and yet I get the sense that they really don't know if they can impact the General Assembly. They don't know if they can even impact their senator or representative. Can you riff a little bit and give a, both a tutorial and a pep talk to listeners? They're going to be hearing this with the final two or three weeks at play, such an important time. What should they be doing? Well, let me give you something novel that, that, that you and I haven't talked about that, that I, I want you to consider and I want your listeners to consider. We talk about giving people a voice. What about giving 16-year-olds the right to vote? You know, I've, mm. I've filed legislation in the past to do that. I want you to think about that. Uh, I, I have said, let's start getting people younger to vote. And, 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 and <coughs> one of my proposals, one of my bills is to allow 16-year-olds to vote in school board elections. Mm. Let's have 16-year-olds vote in school board elections. Let, 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 let them decide. An apprenticeship. Yeah, let them decide who's going to serve on the school board. I mean, look, Terry, we, we give 16-year-olds the right to drive cars. We, we, we entrust a machine that could kill people to 16-year-olds. Um, and this whole notion that, well, they, they, they aren't young. and I mean, they're, they're, They are young, excuse me. They are young and, and, and not well-educated, and so you know, they aren't ready to, to vote. Well, you know, I say, how many 66-year-olds <laughs> are really that knowledgeable about the candidates when they go into the polls? Yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest here. Uh, you've got some very bright 16-year-olds. Uh, you've got some 66-year-olds who, you know, are not, um, mm -hmm. you know, well-learned and, and, and knowledgeable about candidates. So, so think about that. You want to giving 16-year-old voices. Let's 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 start let's start getting into in getting them involved in democracy early, yeah. and say vote on school board members. Yeah. That's, and, that's and, a and, novel idea. And, 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 and then from there, by the time they're 18, then they can start voting on on other elections. Yeah. And, and I want to tell you, listeners, this. Kentucky was the second state in the nation 
to allow 18 year olds to vote. We take that for granted. Now we think, oh, sure, 18 year olds can vote. That's that was a that, big that was a big thing when yeah, that happened. But, but when Kentucky did this back in 1954, they were just the second state wow. to recognize that 18 year olds are are, are are eligible to vote. So that, so so that's that, a great that's so a creative. So when, you, so when you talk about giving, giving young people their voice, yeah. I want you. I I would like you to get behind that next year. I'll follow the legislation to let's get 16 year olds allow them to vote in school board elections. That's, that's, let's start there. That's a great answer. As somebody who's 70, I worry about those 66 year old whippersnappers too. Whether they know what the deal is. So, Senator, I always like to give uh, somebody who is uh, thoughtful like you sort of the last word, the benediction. You're you're sitting here. You're looking at. Uh, at this session, at a, at, again, at, as we enter the fourth quarter, uh, do you have final reflections, whether it's about the general state of Frankfurt this session or kids and families in general? Kind of take us out with a closing reflection. Well, you know, I've, I've basically been, been forthright in terms of giving you my opinion and you know, my ideas and where I think we should go. Uh, I would really like to close, Terry, if you don't mind. You, you were very... Uh, very kind and, 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 and very complimentary about me uh, in our opening remarks. I'm going to close by talking about you. you know, I, I really admire you. You've been a tremendous leader for the people of Kentucky. Uh, I want you to continue to do what, what you do because you give such a strong and important voice. And, and here, going back to what I've said already, we can't ignore our children. You know, we, always, we always think that children should be seen and not heard. And, and that's what you fight against. You make children heard. You make children seen. You, you bring the faces of children to us and recognize that these are people too. These young people are just as important as the adults in the room. Uh, and, and, and so I stand with you, stand side to side with you, support you in giving that kind of voice to children. So I want to close by saying uh, I Really appreciate what you do. I'm strongly supportive of what you do. I just have tremendous respect with a capital R for you. I want you to. I want you to keep doing what you're doing, and I will stand there right beside you along along the way. Well, th so thank you so much, Senator. Uh, thank you. We are looking for big wins still in this session, listeners. As a reminder, you can find resources on the Blueprint for Kentucky's Children Priorities. You can track the progress of bills that are good for listeners on our bill tracker at kyyouth.org. This is Terry Brooks, and you've been listening to one of Kentucky's real champions for children, Senator Reginald Thomas, on today's Making Kids Count. Thank you for listening to the Making Kids Count podcast with Terry Brooks. For more information and to listen to more episodes, visit kyyouth.org slash podcast. Kentucky Youth Advocates is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization who doesn't accept government money so that we can remain truly independent. To support this podcast and our mission as the independent voice for Kentucky kids, please consider making a gift at kyyouth.org slash donate.